Welcome, welcome, welcome uh, back to the When I Feel Compelled podcast. It's your boy Scoop. Had to use the Carolina Kitchen intro. Uh, if you ever been to Carolina Kitchen, shout out to that wonderful restaurant in D.C. That's what they say every time you walk into the restaurant. Um, on this episode, we are going to have a breakdown of the NFL draft. We're going to go based on um, on how we did on our mock drafts with my my dear friend Ken Julian, and also give our you know teams that did the best teams that did the worst in the NFL draft and a little bit um, into the 2021 NFL draft. Very, very early projections. Uh, But stay tuned. We got some bills to pay. We'll be right back. You ever gone outside and said, hey, it's really bright out here. I need something for my eyes. Of course you have. Well, here are the glasses for you. These sunglasses are so dark, they make everyone into black people. Crazy, right? So the next time the NYPD is out on a sunny day in Central Park to hand out tickets to people who aren't staying home due to COVID, they can put these on and treat the white folks sitting on the grass the same way they do the black people in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Wow, so useful. These glasses are made by the new company, Warby P. Newton. I don't see color. All I see is black. Welcome back. Um, you know, haven't been any any live sporting events, but there's been a lot of things going on with sports. Uh, I took some time out uh, from my district discussions where I've been talking about D.C. basketball with a couple of my friends. That's going to be coming up, so keep following up if you uh, are a fan of D.C. basketball or just basketball overall. Um, those interviews are going to continue. But I want to take some time to give updates on what's going on in the sports industry uh, right now. And college and professional sports, although there are no live games, there's a lot of things going on that are actually pretty monumental. Starting with uh, Dacian Nix. Dacian Nix is a six foot five, two hundred five pound point guard from Trinity International, in Las Vegas. He recently decommitted from UCLA and will join the G League. Um, if you follow the podcast, you heard me talk about Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, both being top 15 players in the country, going to the NBA Developmental League. Uh, Dacian Nix becomes the third. Um, he is the top-rated point guard in the country and number 15 overall. What makes this extremely interesting is that Nix signed a letter of intent for UCLA. Isaiah Todd did not. Now, Isaiah Todd had publicly committed to the University of Michigan, but he never signed his letter of intent. So Knicks right now um, puts Mick Cronin in a huge disadvantage in the recruiting system, um, recruiting cycle, because COVID is not allowing players to get on campus. A lot of high school players have already signed that letters of intent. So he kind of put them in a bad position. Uh, UCLA only has one incoming freshman signed, a kid named Jalen Clark, 6'6 shooting guard from Etiwanda High School in Rancho Cucamonga, California. He's ranked number 103 in the country. Um, the Bruins do get some um, help with Kentucky transfer Johnny Jusang. Um, however, um, he will likely sit out this year because he's a transfer, and he'll play um, in 2021-22 as a redshirt sophomore. So the timing of this is all bad for UCLA, but this is yet another McDonald's All-American, uh, top 15 player in the country who has spurned college to go to the G League's new pathway program. Speaking of the NCAA, uh, while the news about Dacian Nix is not the impetus for the following news, but it does play a major part. 
the NCAA um, is is recommending approving players making money from endorsements on their likeness. Um, according to New York Times, the NCAA Board of Governors said Wednesday that it would support rule changes allowing athletes to earn money from the use of their names, images, and likenesses. However, the deals would have to come from third parties so that athletes could not be considered university employees. Uh, the board's recommendations are expected by January uh, to be adopted, and that will take effect in the 2021-22 academic season. Uh, some of the business opportunities for these students include profiting as social media influencers, appear in commercials, and hold paid autograph sessions. The social media influencer part uh, reminds me of one of the things I hated the most about the NCAA, a story of a guy who was a kicker um, for a college football team, and he was making these crazy kicks um, that were getting a lot, of, a lot of views. They were going viral. And he started to profit off the, off the amount of views he got, and the school pulled his scholarship. Meanwhile, he wasn't wearing any of the school's likenesses um, in any of their, their, these videos. But he was just making, making these crazy kicks from 50 yards or trick kicks, and they ended up pulling a scholarship. So this allows that to be a situation where you can make that money. Um, in addition, students would not be permitted to be paid uh, directly by universities and will not be able to use a school or conference logo to tout their affiliation as they try not to categorize the athletes as university employees. The key component of this is that colleges want to show that these student athletes are not employees of the universities. So they're still sticking to the fact that these students, you know, aren't technically employed by the university. So that's a clear delineation that they're going to make, um, even though they're allowing students to make more money. Um, another one is that boosters will still not be allowed to just pay recruits to get them to come to their schools. So the third parties um, for companies that are willing to hold autograph sessions or, you know, try to pay for a player to come and make, um, you know, appearances and things of that nature. What's going to be really interesting is that those companies more than likely cannot be uh, boosters. So that means that some of these uh, people that have been boosters in the past, if they really want to get that close with athlete or they're trying to do some stuff under the table, excuse me, um, they will probably have to stop paying um, directly to the booster clubs of these schools. And that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, there's corruption anywhere, um, but that's, that's going to be something that's going to change. Um, in addition to this NCAA uh, news about approving endorsements, there was a study uh, from the university, I'm sorry, from, from uh, The Ohio State University that shows that a five-star recruit in football is worth an average of $650,000 to a college program. I say that one more time. A five-star recruit, which is a player that is ranked in the top 30, 35 in the United States, is worth an average of $650,000 to a college program, according to the study. Uh, the study was co-authored by Ohio State economics professor Trayvon Logan. Um, it uses football revenue data from 2002 to 2012 from all FBS schools, as well as recruiting the recruiting database from Rivals.com. According to an article from the Washington Post, the study found that five-star recruits help generate additional revenue from, for top-tier programs by increasing wins, bowl appearances, and selection to premier bowls. We know that. We just never really knew how much they bring financially. In addition, um, with help, with, within his findings, 
four-star recruits are estimated to generate three hundred fifty thousand per year, while three-star recruits generate one hundred fifty thousand annually. There are roughly eighty-five players. I'm sorry, there are exactly eighty-five scholarship players on the college football team. So when you look at schools like um, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, schools that have been recruiting really well, with this information, you can see exactly how much money or estimate how much money the college football program brings in. Let's take Alabama for, for instance. In 2019, Alabama led the 24-7 Sports Talent Composite, which is a ranking of the top schools in the country based on their players' recruitment rankings. It's just a way to show who has the most talent every year. And, and ranks them amongst all the rest of the teams in the United States. The Crimson Tide had 11 five-star recruits, 58 four-stars, and 13 three-stars. If you use this formula, Alabama earns $7.15 million from its five-stars, $20.3 million from its four-stars, and $1.95 million from its three-stars, which is equal to $29.4 million from 82 players. Now, the University of Alabama's full outstate tuition is $30,250. The cost of the scholarships for these 82 student athletes, quote unquote, alone, mind you, some are in state, but we're using out of state for a reason, is $2,480,500. That's a profit of $27 million. Alabama head coach Nick Saban received a new eight year deal worth at least $74 million, and excluding bonuses, pays him $7.5 million per year. Meanwhile, players get $30,250 worth of scholarship to the university. Before you say, hey, they get a free education and free gear, remember Nike pays Alabama to wear their clothes. According to Al.com, Alabama's deal with Nike, which was extended in 2013 and runs through 2025, is worth $63 million in apparel and cash plus a $5 million signing bonus, which works out to $5.25 million a year. This is just a financial glimpse into the business behind college football. These numbers are actually a little different um, at colleges like Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson, your perennial powerhouses. According to the study, five-star recruits are not as valuable at powerhouses because these programs are stocked with talent. With the adjustment to programs like this, a five-star is worth an average of $200,000 annually, still far more than the $30,000 price tag for tuition. Why is this important? The variance between being at a powerhouse school or a lesser-known school. Well, if the students can profit from their likeness, and it seems that five-star recruits are worth more to a program that is not a powerhouse, you might see more parity in college football. Kids that were looking at powerhouse teams may decide to go to a school with a lower profile to profit more while in college. It could also make no impact as students continue to see powerhouse programs produce more NFL draft picks, which is a higher deferred compensation. You know, some people might say, hey, in my four years of college, I'll make more going to a lesser known team in the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, or even just a lesser known conference. Um, like Conference USA. Or they could say, you know what? I don't care about making as much money in college. I got all my stuff taken care of. I'd rather go to a top-notch program that's going to put me in the NFL. You know, the the top three picks in the NFL this year made about 
um, in total total contract compensation about thirty million dollars. So is it worth it making your quote unquote six hundred thousand a year for four years, or three years, or going to a better program that can make you possibly, you know, tens of millions of dollars? It depends, but it, it adds to the options that kids have nowadays. Another aspect about this is the fact that most college football programs are public universities. If these students are considered employees of the university, then technically they'd be employees of the state government. College football coaches at public universities are the highest state employees, highest paid state employees in 40 of the 50 states in the United States. Uh, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster earned $106,100 in 2019. Meanwhile, Dabo Swinney, the head coach at state-run Clemson University in South Carolina, just signed a 10-year, $93 million contract earlier this year, which will earn him annually more than 90 times the governor's salary. And both are being paid by taxpayer dollars. Enough about the finance, about sports. Let me get to the good stuff. Um, in college football recruiting, Tennessee had an amazing week. They received five commitments in five days, starting with a bang on April 26th with five-star DN Dylan Brooks from Henley in Roanoke, Alabama. Brooks is the number one weak-side defensive end in the country. Kamar Wilcoxon, a four-star defensive back from IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida, committed on April 27th. Uh, he was previously committed to the Florida Gators, but decommitted a couple weeks ago and actually was uh, expected to uh, sign with Ohio State but they received a commitment from uh, Jansen Dunn, a four-star defensive back, and Will Coxon started looking elsewhere and ended up signing, excuse me, ended up committing with uh, Tennessee. On April 28th, Julian Nixon, a four-star wide receiver from Centennial High School in Roswell, Georgia, committed. And on April 30th, they received commitments from Tion Evans, the number two rated Juco running back in the country from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas and five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis from Northwestern in Miami, Florida. Uh, Lewis is the top-ranked inside linebacker in the United States and the top-20 recruit overall. This tremendous week shot Tennessee up to the number three recruiting class in the country behind Ohio State and North Carolina, and they are currently the number one class in the SEC. I don't think their ranking will last much um, as sleeping giants like Georgia, Alabama, LSU have been to a slower start this uh, recruiting cycle, and I think they'll pick up a lot of recruits and they'll end up knocking Tennessee out of that number one position in the conference uh, and definitely moving on up to top five, top ten in the country overall in, in the recruiting class. Uh, but the early college football recruiting rankings are very, very surprising thus far. Uh, outside of the top three of Ohio State, North Carolina, and Tennessee, which are surprised to most, uh, especially North Carolina and Tennessee, uh, the list goes as follows. Florida is number four then Clemson, Iowa, Minnesota, Miami, USC, and Michigan to round out the top 10. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota both earned commitments from their top recruit in the current class in the last two weeks. So they've been recruiting really well also, especially in the month of April. On to professional sports. Uh, now with some very recent news, the NBA has postponed its draft lottery and combine. As of Friday, the draft lottery was scheduled for May 19th in Chicago, the same site as the draft combine, which was set for May 19th to the 24th. 
With the NBA being stalled and no start date set, it makes sense. The lottery is based on records, team records, but there are too many games left to play in the regular season to make that determination now. The problem is that this will inevitably push, inevitably push the NBA draft back, and we don't know exactly when. Um, but if you're wondering why the NFL draft went on successfully, even though it was on um, through social distancing, why it went on successfully, but the NBA hasn't, um, the NBA draft order is based solely on team records. And since the NFL had the Super Bowl already, they were already set, plus the combine happened in February before COVID-19 hit. However, the NBA lottery, which is comprised of teams that don't make the playoffs, is based on a literal, literal lottery. So you take the, the teams that don't make the playoffs and they have odds based on their records and they go into a literal lottery spin wheel. And that's how uh, whatever ball gets picked, that's who gets those picks. Um, but because that um, is based on teams that don't make the playoffs, you have too many games left to be played to determine who will be the playoff order, who makes it or not. You can't even start that process. And so it's, it's just going to push the NBA back further and further. And, and it might bring up what I mentioned earlier in the in this show, in the podcast. A lot more kids are willing to jump into the G League because you can sign a contract right now. Whether they get, um, more than likely they're going to be able to sign this contract the moment they made the announcement. Uh, but in college basketball and the NBA, you, may, you don't know when you're going to be playing next. At least these guys have money in their pocket while they're figuring out where, um, you know, when and where they're going to be playing. And so that's how going to have a huge effect. I really feel bad for the guys that are graduated from college. And although they had the college basketball season um, come to a certain point, they didn't have March Madness. So in addition to not having March Madness and increasing NBA stock, um, now you may not get drafted at all during that time period that you normally are used to. And it just pushes everything back. We're still trying to figure out what's going to happen with the NBA. I mean, you don't want to start this season over again. You're not. I mean, you're obviously not going to start the season over again. And you're not just going to say, hey, we're going to set the playoffs based on where the records are now. Um, I think that they're going to have to play the rest, of these, the rest of the season. And if we don't get out of social distancing and, or allowed to be in arenas um, in, say, three months, then what you're going to have to do is Push these games back to that time. You're going to have a fall uh, NBA championship. And then the start of next season is probably going to start normally. If that makes sense. So um, what's going to, what I would suggest thus far is you finish the 2020 season at the end of 2020. And then, the, and then you don't have a 2020-2021 season. You just have, you just have a, you just have it just starts in 21. So you kind of skip a season. You still have the draft in 21. Um, but you kind of skip the season. And you just and you just finish this past season towards the end around the time which the new season should start. And then you just end up waiting a whole year to start the next season. That's that would probably be my suggestion. I thought about this a lot looking at the calendar. Um, you're really missing, obviously, about five months of basketball. It's just pushing everything back. But you don't want to push in a, a full season of 82 games into a small window to make up. So you just finish whatever left of this season. And then you either have a shortened season, which could happen, 
but you might just scrap it and let college basketball, high school basketball, you know, the fall, the high school level, like the fall sports just continue. But the NBA, you just train and train until uh, the 2021 season starts because now the Olympics is going to be pushed back too. So that allows the players to play um, in the Olympics and, and things of that nature. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this whole thing kind of plays itself out. But we'll be back with uh, a breakdown of the NFL draft with my boy, Ken Julian. So please stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. It's your boy, Scoop. Um, brought my, my – um, now it's the third time he's been on the show. My very special guest, Kenneth, Kenneth Julian, to discuss uh, the NFL draft that just happened. Um, we're going to go over the mock draft we did and see how we did, but also talk about the draft overall. How you doing today, Ken? Doing good. Third time's a charm, they say. Third time that is works. the charm. Ah, got you, got you, got you. That's, see, that's a dedicated man right there <laughs> and a good friend. And a good friend. How uh, how did the – so thus far, I was, I was looking through the first round. I was tracking it when it happened. Uh, we both got five of the first six picks dead on. Yeah, um, the first pick that that the pick that we got off was uh, the Giants. Um, I had them getting Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle. Um, you had them getting Jerry Judy, which was a which, which was a bold pick to begin with. Um, but yeah, I knew what you were going, and they end up picking Andrew Thomas. Um, and we talked on the show, and and, and it, it played out this way: the top four offensive tackles in this draft were kind of interchangeable. You didn't know, you know, exactly how teams viewed them, but they were all pretty close. And when you look at it. Um, although I didn't get any of them dead on, I, the teams that I thought would pick offensive tackles all did, yeah. it just rotated out. Um, so that would be, yeah, like the Cleveland Browns, uh, they got Jedrick Wills. We both got that wrong as far as being dead on. I thought they had Andrew Thomas, you had Tristan Wirfs. Um, I had Becton, um, I'm sorry, I had, I had the Jets picking offensive tackle. Um, they ended up getting Makai Becton, I had him getting Wills, um, and then the and then also the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay. I thought they would pick off his attack. We both we both had that. We just got the guy wrong. Um, going through, you made a lot more bolder picks. Um, as far as like, I think you made picks of who sh- people should uh, select, and I, I kind of picked based on what I thought would happen. I think mm-hmm. it kind of showed out in the in the results in some ways, which. Once again, it's not a it's not a, a lose lose a win win situation with mock drafts. It's just kind of fun. But um, <laughs> I, I was it was interesting to see how if I had selected say three positions or two positions that I thought would be the strategy, I was pretty dead on for more than seventy percent of the draft. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, and I think um, and and a lot of people that you had them select, they ended up picking you know whether like their second round pick. You know, so um, the one pick that's the two two picks that really stood out to me, I think the Cowboys with the 17th pick picking C.D. Lamb was just the fact of like he was available. Yeah, I mean, that was insane. That was insane. It just happens that way sometimes when guys yeah. drop. It's like I, I wouldn't normally want this person because I didn't think they were there. But you got to pick C.D. Lamb at that point. He's just he's just too good at the 17th pick. Yeah, I agree with you. That was insane that that happened. Uh, matching him up with Amari Cooper this this could be a problem. Uh, all of a sudden, Ezekiel Elliott's going to be worth his contract. <laughs> exactly. Funny how the passing game does that for you. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah, the passing game opens everything up. Um, the, uh, the, the, the pick that surprised me 
the absolute most, and I think it surprised everybody, uh, was Green Bay picking Jordan Love. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, well, I was gonna say there, there was a pick that also surprised me a little more, but but yeah, the oh, Jordan Love pick that threw me off. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Love. I think it was it was like, huh? This makes no sense. Aaron Rodgers young, and they and they, they made it made a, a comment about the fact that um, Aaron Rodgers is now the exact same age mm-hmm. as Brett Favre was when he was drafted to the Packers. Yeah, I, I you know it's funny. So when it first happened, I was surprised. The reason I guess. I wasn't surprised as much because over time that was going on in my mind. I was like, wait a minute. This is kind of the same Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation. And then I found out, yeah, he's about the same age. And they're just trying to bring Jordan Love through. So to me, look, when Aaron Rodgers got there, it wasn't like Brett Favre was the best person to learn the quarterback position from. And people are saying now about Aaron Rodgers. So I'm just like, "Eh, we'll see. I think Jordan Love will be fine the first two years. We'll see if it's going to work. Right. I mean, I think so, too. Um, I don't know if I would have jumped and picked the first round pick for somebody to sit like that. I would not. You know, um, I would not. I would not do that. Um, you know, so I don't I don't know what they were thinking. But excuse me. Interestingly enough, the other pick that we both got dead on was Patrick Queen to the Ravens. Both of us picked him and yeah. that's where he went. Um, I think we're going to talk about there's another pick that, that, that's specific to that position that. Um, we'll talk about a little bit, a little bit later, but I think the overall, the first round went pretty, pretty much what I thought it would be. Um, another surprise was Damon Arnett yeah, to the Raiders. That's the one that threw me all the way off. Like, yeah. if you like that guy, look, and I'm not saying Damon Arnett's not going to be good. I think there, there's a game to this draft, right? If you got a guy who you think is going to be your guy, Falcons with the AJ Terrell is in, in the same situation here then play your cards right, right? You have a number, you have a first-round draft pick. If you think there's a guy who's draft value to other people, and it's pretty obvious, it's a little lower, use your draft value. Trade down, get some veterans, trade, get more picks or something like that. Like there's no reason to pick. AJ Terrell, maybe I'll give the Falcons credit for because he's kind of had a second-round grade, so maybe he'll fall in the first. But there's no reason Damon Arnett is going to be picked within the next – 20 picks from where you are at 19. So make a trade. Get some more picks. Get Damon Arnett later. You know he's going to be there. It was weird. But their draft as a whole for me, Mike Mayock knew what he was doing. They traded or aggressive, and all their draft picks were in the first four rounds of this draft. So I give the Raiders credit overall, though. Yeah, I think that the next pick that the Raiders had was number 80. Damon was not going to be there. That's true. And, 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 and frankly – uh, no real strong cornerback. If you're really looking for somebody who could be a potential starter, I think would have been um, by the 80 pick. So I kind of understand. But to your point, um, I would have traded down, gotten a 28 pick and a 45 pick or a 50 pick, yeah. you know, and I would have had two picks for that 19. And then that draft value based on the contract that you're going to have to pay Damon on that, and also just the fact that you can add somebody else to that team, I think would have been a better move for the Raiders. Um, but one thing I did read um, is that the Raiders strategy is very much to draft bulldogs, mm-hmm. like guys that are like overly aggressive um, guys that come at you. And Damon Arnett definitely fits that. He's, he's, he's not, he's like a gnat at, at yeah. cornerback. And, and I understand that mentality, but once again, it's like, uh it's like it's like dating the girl that glows up 
five years, you know, you, you marry a woman that, that all of a sudden, you know, two years later, all of a sudden she's the baddest thing walking. And you're like, wow, how did you know? It's like, because I saw that. Like, you know, y'all were, I were chasing other things. So I think it's a similar situation, I would say, is that um, the value at this point, because Damon wasn't going to be picked that high, nobody was really checking for him. You could have got him uh, for a lower financial value. And, uh, and and you could have traded, used that 19th pick to get something else that, um, you know, you needed. Mm-hmm. So, um, as far as so, with uh, what we're going to do, um, we're going to rank the top five, your top five uh, teams that came out the best in the draft and our five worst. Um, we don't necessarily have to go in order, but name who's who's a team that you thought did extremely well in the first round? Um the Raiders, actually. Uh, <laughs> mm. You bring that up. Because, yeah, they, they were aggressive to get the picks they wanted. They they picked for a type. Like you said, they wanted the dogs in the room. Tanner Muse, Amik Robinson, John Simpson, Lynn Bowden Jr. And I have to remind people, he's not Randall Cobb. I know it's the lazy thing you want to do because he went to Kentucky yeah. and played different multiple positions. But Lynn Bowden Jr. is aggressive and more physical than Randall Cobb. And I feel like the Raiders, Mike Mayock knows what he's doing over there. The Raiders wanted a certain type. They got their sight, and they made their play for it. I, I really was impressed with what the Raiders did, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think they did. I think they did really well. I will actually pick a team. Uh, you're gonna be happy. I picked this team. I think the Denver Broncos made out. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're a team that. Um, I mean, they got two of the most dynamic receivers in the draft, off the top, um, and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Uh, I want to see how they use KJ. I, I think he should be a, a punt return in the next level. Um, see how he does as far as uh, coming out the slot because he's a smaller receiver, but he is he's definitely dynamic. Um, they also got a couple guys that <clears throat> I think actually were really good values um, with uh, McTelvin, uh, Aguim, Ajim, um, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I'm sorry, the Arkansas defensive tackle. Uh, the tight end from Missouri. Man, he he's good. I mean, he was he was the best tight end in the SEC this year. Um, and also Wake Forest linebacker uh, Justin uh, Stranod, mm-hmm. he was he was really good in the ACC this year for Wake Forest. And I think Tyree Cleveland was a really good was a was a really good pick at the value that they got him at um, really late in the draft. And so um, and I think like looking at even uh, the Wake Forest linebacker, I mean, most people had him selected at least in the first four rounds, but he got injured. Um, and missed, missed the rest of the season. So I think from a value perspective, uh, they came up with him. Yeah, I agree with you. One of the things about that to, to uh, I guess, piggyback was uh, Natane Muti, or Natane Muti, mm-hmm. uh, the guard for Fresno mm-hmm. State. <laughs> like he's, he's a schoolyard legend for his strength. I like him a lot. He's mm-hmm. going gonna to give them um, – um, a lot of uh, a lot of depth at on uh, offensive line, the interior. Um, one of the things about offensive line, real quick, is um, it takes about three years for most offensive linemen to kind of mature to get to a point. So I think that's one of the things to remember when looking at who these teams drafted that offensive line within the second or third or fourth round. I think some of these guys are going to come out and be really good, but it's going to take some time. Right, right. I'm with you. What other team do you think did did really well in the draft? Another team I thought did really well in the draft. I was kind of worried at first, but was the Dolphins. Um, I, I, they've got Tua, and I thought, okay, cool. They're going to keep getting the guys they want. When they got Austin Jackson, I was a little worried because I'm like, look, you want a young guy, got it, and I develop with the squad. 
but Makai Becton kind of could have been that. But that's fine. Austin Jackson's your guy. Um, I like what they did after that, though. Uh, getting depth for their team, making sure they had everybody, you know, making sure they had the positions they needed. <clears throat> Excuse me. But one thing I will say, there's two people. The Raekwon Davis pick was a little like, eh, you need a pass rusher, and you're getting a defense tackle who's not going to pass rush at all. But Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette, a guard, great interior lineman. He's going to be really good for them and probably start for them for 10 years. And Curtis Weaver from Boise State in the fifth round, great pick for them. He's going to be a workhorse. He's just got this motor that's going to keep going, keep churning. He's a better version of Shea McClellan, and he'll probably play for them at least through his rookie contract and get a bigger contract when he's done with that. So good for them. I think I think they did a good job. I like the shout-out Malcolm Perry as well from Navy, <coughs> wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he makes the team and does a good job. Yeah, I think um, I, I had Miami in my top five as well. Um, the, the thing was that we, we talked about the top four offensive tackles. Well, Austin Jackson was the fifth as far as how we got drafted. I thought that fifth offensive tackle was going to be Josh Jones from Houston. Um, but they ended up going with, with, with Austin Jackson with the Dolphins with the 18th pick. And I think that's kind of where they fell. They just – they just, and on their board, they probably had him a little higher than Josh Jones. And so – we both talked about Austin Jackson, I believe, the first time. Just think he he's solid, he's talented, but he's not there yet. So for the 18th pick, I think was kind of high. Um, they did pick somebody. Uh, it was surprising with the Auburn uh, quarterback. Oh, it, it, another name I cannot pronounce. No, Igbenogany. Igbenogany. Okay. Uh, Rhymes with Monogamy. Okay. I, I, that, there you go. Uh, he he. I thought that was really high with the 30th pick. Um, but he he he's a talented cornerback. I just thought that was kind of a reach. Like that's a situation that that would have been a position where I'd have been like, okay, Arnett kind of fits yeah. a little bit because a lot of people had him really early in the second, maybe um, um, late first round. I saw a couple. Um, so I thought that would have been fine for him. I did not have him going anywhere. In the, like I don't think anybody had him as a first round uh, draft pick. Yeah. Um, but. You know, you you know the draft is obviously what you see when it when it happens. But obviously, you look down the road and see, you know, certain picks. That's one I'm I'm gonna pay attention to. Uh, I do think the Dolphins did pretty well. And I was gonna mention specifically, like you said, Curtis Weaver was a was a force in college football uh, last year, and I thought he was a, a really good value at that position. And uh, Boise State's one of those programs where um, you don't really know how they'll translate because their level of competition, but they, they, yeah. they're winners. And that, that's one thing that uh, I think always factors in is the mentality. I think he has talent, but I think the fact that he is a winner, um, you know, adds to the culture, yeah. definitely adds to the culture. Shout out to Raekwon Davis. He's a, he's a member of Omega Sci-Fi Opportunity Corporation. Um, you know, I just had to throw that out there. Um, so then, so so the uh, team that I had since since we both agreed on on um, on Miami, I'll say that the Vikings did really well yeah. this, this draft. Um, the they they got they got Justin Jefferson to replace Stephon Diggs. I was surprised though they didn't get um, they got they got a they got a wide receiver KJ Osborne. Um, I think they just added him. I was surprised they get somebody else, but I think. We'll see how he turns out. But the, one of the major reasons why the Vikings did so well, so they had a lot of picks. And this was a – this was a when I look at the, the rest of the teams, I mean, there aren't – even when we get to the worst list, there aren't many teams that had a bad draft. This seemed to hit the mark for a lot of teams. 
Um, and, and, and Minnesota, Minnesota situation was they just got a lot of depth, a lot of depth. Um, you know, they got Jeff Gladney, who was a fringe. They got a fringe, uh, you know, first round pick from TCU. Um, I think Ezra Cleveland was someone who they talked about possibly being a late first round pick, being that yeah. fifth, sixth offensive tackle off the board. Um, James Lynch, Troy Dye from Oregon. I mean, Kenny Wilkes, uh, I think is a steal at two twenty five. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was the guy was was one of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten for for a couple years. And I think they 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 stacked the deck. I mean, they had a lot of lot of draft picks. Um, I I agree with you about Minnesota. They, for one, they needed the draft pick because they were starting they're starting over on defense, <laughs> and um, they did a good job of making sure they had the depth, and not just the depth, but like you said, the depth with players who can play. Like KJ Osborne <clears throat> originally started off at Buffalo was a really good receiver, went to Miami, showed that he was a good receiver still. He's a solid pick. He might not be anyone's number one, but he's depth. He's going to give you a professional uh, professional level of play. Harrison Hand from Temple, like all the guys you named are solid players. You just, at this point, what they were trying to do is just get players who can just be on the roster, not be problems, not be low, what is it, uh, low ceiling but high floor. Right, 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 right. That, Which, yeah, the exact that, opposite of what you want. So they did a good job of that. But their first two picks, those guys are going to play for them for a while. And I think those, that, 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 that was a it was a good. It was a great draft for Minnesota. Did you have yeah. them in your top five as well? Okay. So who you got? Who's uh? Who else uh you got another team that I have <laughs> was the um. Oh yeah, here we go. So <laughs> I had the um, oh, wrong team. Jesus Christ! We can edit this out. This is good. <laughs> I lost my name. Dang. Oh, so okay, yeah, it was Cleveland Browns. Um, the okay. reason I have Cleveland is it's really weird because Cleveland didn't really get anything they actually needed. But they did get upgrades of talent to, to mistakes that were made on the roster prior to the draft. Um, I look at Jordan Elliott, and he'll probably be the best defensive tackle that they have on, on, the, on the roster now. They didn't necessarily need him, but he's going to be better than anybody else they have. The Austin Hooper uh, signing they had at tight end when they paid him way too much money, Harrison Bryant will fill that void in the next two years at a cheaper version, and you can push uh, Austin Hooper out, save yourself some cap room. I like Jedrick Wills Jr. He's solid at tackling. He's going to help you there. Grant Delphic gives you depth at safety, and he's got a great head on his shoulders, so he's not going to fall into the the um, the character issues, quote unquote, that may be may be prevalent there. I think I think what Cleveland did, and they might not be a top five per se, but I think what they did was interesting, and I think it will work for the team in the long run. We'll look back on this and be like, oh, oh okay, Cleveland, that was okay, that was a solid draft. I think the, the the biggest pick on that list um, that is like bang or bust when I say that, I guess to say, is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, so, obviously, you know, I'm an Ohio State fan, and, and being an Ohio State fan means that you 
uh, have, a, have a strong affinity against Michigan, right? Um, but um, I remember Donovan Peoples-Jones when he was at Cast Tech in Detroit, number one receiver in the country. He got the Spark, um, won the Spark Award as a junior at the opening. So this kid is a, a freak athlete, and he and he, he killed it during the combine. <clears throat> the problem is. Um, at Michigan, he was underutilized, and to the point where he is the number 187 pick, and he was the number one receiver in the country. Um, he was just the, the offense in Michigan did not; it just it just was not it was ineffective. Matter of fact, let me tell you something crazy. Speaking of Michigan's offense, um, there were over 300 people selected to the combine. All of them were drafted except for one person. Do you know who, that one person? Uh, is? Oh, Shay Patterson. I should known. I should. He's the uh, only person to go to the combine that was not signed. Wasn't even or signed. Drafted. Not even as like a wide signed. receiver project. He was not signed yeah. at least in that first the first wave. Now he might, um, yeah. you know, in the next couple of weeks. But oh. as of like the day of the draft. He's the only one, and, and 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 prior to Justin Fields transferring to Ohio State, Shea Patterson was the highest ranked quarterback to ever play the yeah, Big Ten coming out of high school. I mean, I know he transferred from Ole Miss, but um, I'm just that echoes kind of the offensive struggles uh-huh. that they've had, um, where you have these two five star recruits on offense, and they um, have not produced, um, and 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 I think Donovan Peoples Jones has the ability. To to produce. I mean, he has the he has the athleticism. Um, I firmly believe that he'll be able to uh, to go out and and and, and produce. And, and depending on the relationship that he develops with Landry with Beckham, um, they could teach him a few things. But he's he's I think he's somebody who's going to be a lot better, who could be a lot better in the NFL than he is um, in 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 college. Let me add one more thing because. Because I, because once again, I know a, a little about Michigan's football team. Here's a note: since Braylon Edwards was a first round pick 15 years ago, Michigan has signed 41 four and five star recruits at the skill positions. Exactly zero of them have gone to become first round oh, picks. Wow. 41 four and five star recruits, and zero wow. have been first round picks. That just echoes the offensive. Um, and it's 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 not and this is not me just ragging on Michigan. I'm just I'm just giving a um, in context to this was actually somebody who is a Michigan diehard Michigan fan that has a blog and um, I watched a YouTube video and it talks about like some of the struggles they've had because they actually had as many draft picks as Ohio State this year. They had ten. They were second um, in the country. LSU had fourteen, tied the modern day record with I think 2006 Ohio State um fourteen picks this year. So Michigan has, you know, they have talent. It's just all on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know what's happening, um, but Donovan Peoples-Jones might be a, a casualty of the ineptitude of the Michigan offense. And I think this is a guy that could could potentially be really good for a for the pick that he yeah, came that's in. Yeah, that's well, first of all, breaking potatoes about Michigan football. And, yeah, I think that I'm with you. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a uh, – look, he's, he's an explosive athlete when need be. It's just a matter of getting to be able to do it. Right, 
Right. That was and I looked at Cleveland too. I think Cleveland did did, did well. Um I, I would say that um the team that in, in their division that that I have on my list. I was literally about to go with either them, but I'll go with the other team that I have. I was either, either Baltimore or Dallas. Go ahead with Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore Ravens. Um I mean first and foremost, <laughs> like the Ravens, I absolutely love the Ravens their organization since since the beginning of time, since Ozzie Newsom, uh one of the greatest GMs of all time, and Eric DaCosta's coming in and doing similar things. They 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 know how to identify talent, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um you look at the de- you look at who they have. You got Patrick Queen, who is very athletic. Um they get JK Dobbins, who could have been a like late the first round. Perfect running back for their system. Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, and, and 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 hear me when I say this. Um, he reminds me so much of Ray yeah. Rice on the field. Yeah. You know, obviously we know what happened with Ray Rice after. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about as a running back. Now, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be as good, but he plays a lot like Ray Rice does. There is a direct pathway to success. Looking at the Ravens franchise and looking at the best running back they've ever had, and JK kind of fits into that space. Um, they got the defensive tackle from Texas A&M, the solid pick. Um, Matabuki, Justin Matabuki, um, Devin Duvernay, uh, fast, fast wide receiver from Texas, solid receiver. Uh, Malik Harrison is a veteran from Ohio State playing linebacker alongside with Queen. Um, Tyre Phillips, another member of Omega Soccer <laughs> Opportunity Incorporated. Um, off of Mississippi State offensive guard was really good. I mean, one of the best offensive linemen in, in the SEC. Um, they they just they just they got guys they they filled in the the, the holes that they I'm mean, gonna say holes, but yeah. they they got a lot of depth and they got another they got another um they got another Big Ten guard, mm-hmm. you know with Bredesen you know um you know they were enamored by Marshall Yander from from Iowa so you know this this goes in so I think they did really well. Yander in Iowa they got Geno Stone down there safety you know Iowa their DB yeah <laughs> yeah. Right, right. We talked about Iowa linemen and their DVs are just guys that just sit in the league. I mean, they just they just know what it what it takes to stay in the NFL. So the Ravens knocked out of the park. They did, they did. The Ravens knocked out of the park. Oh, did you uh, have yeah, no, Dallas, who's your, who's your no last team? This one. Um, it's funny because CD. Uh, well, look, it was a wide receiver heavy draft, but CD Lamb dropped to him. Hey, why not get that receiver? Got him. We still need a corner. Get Trevon Diggs. Sure, got him. Hey, we need defensive tackle. Let's get the best defensive tackle available at the third round with great value on Neville Gallimore. Rush the passer, uber athletic. Mm-hmm. Let's get him going. And, hey, uh, Travis Frederick from Wisconsin, he just retired. Let's get the best center on the board, Tyler Biotish. Sure, we'll get him too. Why not? So good for Dallas. For their what's, uh, seven picks are probably going to start for them for the next three or four years. You can't ask for him much more from that. that. Good job, Dallas. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And they also got uh, mm-hmm. Bradley and Nay from uh, from Utah. Solid pick at the end. I think I think you're right. They got they got three guys, four guys that I think could start for them um, from from yeah for start for them for the next couple of years. And I think uh, even Tulsa cornerback Razor Robinson has some depth. But I think Trayvon Diggs is going to be really solid with them. Um, like you said, C.D. Lamb. Um, the, you know, that's funny. 
you know, CeeDee Lamb didn't want to wear number 88. Jerry Jones yeah. put it on him. Um, I just – I read that, and, you know, for, for the fans out there that don't know, 88 is like the – the esteemed wide receiver number to wear for the Cowboys, starting with Drew Pearson, the Michael Irvin, the Des Bryant. And so um those and that's the thing about that number is I don't know if those guys wore that fresh out the gate. I guess Des Bryant did. Des Bryant did. I'm trying to think that Michael Irvin wore eighty eight. But I think Michael Irvin made eighty eight. I think he's the one who made it a number. Like not saying Drew Pearson wasn't great, but as far as it being like this is what you wear as a Dallas Cowboy, I think him wearing it made it like okay, you got two stars that wore that number. Then when Dez got there, it's like I'm shooting yeah. to wear that. You know, it's yeah. kind of like the number seven in LSU. Bring that up about you know, it got took, the number seven this senior year. Right, right, but but it it took it took who Patrick Peterson to wear it for it to become a thing because he right. wasn't the first one to wear seven. One of those guys, it was either it was either it was either uh, Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew saw Peterson wear it and was like, "I want to wear it to be like him." And then after Tyron, after Honey Badger, everybody mm-hmm. that like the best player um, on the, in the secondary wears number seven. I pr- I'm pretty uh, sure yeah. Derek Stingley's going to wear that <laughs> yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, but that's that's what I was. But, but so uh, I was surprised. You know, I was, the Cowboys did really well, and they got and, and the thing with Gallimore and C.D. Lamb oh, is that they're yeah. both Oklahoma players. Which, um, although you know the Oklahoma Texas game is always played in Dallas, not not necessarily where the Cowboys play, but in Dallas. So Oklahoma, um, there's always it's always good to play, to have players that are that are close by, that are from close by. Um, so. You know, you kind of carry some of that fan base over. So I think it was a good draft for the Cowboys as well. Um, my last team that I had in my top five was I'm cool Arizona with that. Cardinals. I'm cool with that. Uh, I think for that, they didn't have a lot of picks, but they made it count. And they got Isaiah Simmons, who um, is one of the most intriguing players in this draft, maybe even the last couple of years, because – He's pretty much like the size of, say, Julio Jones playing wide receiver, playing playing safety slash linebacker. Um, they got Josh Jones uh, with a seventy-two pick, which was like I don't know how he fell that far. Uh, Rashard Lawrence was a solid pick at the defensive line. Um, I'm a big fan of Samoan linemen. Period. And so, like, I just. I don't know what it is, man, but um, you never hear. And I'm not trying to show anybody. I'm not trying to be racial, racially stereotypical or anything like that. But um, the culture, because of the, the family structure, how 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 tight knit family they are, you never find issues with guys that are Samoan um, yeah. in the NFL. And and linemen wise, they just tend to be so strong. You just mentioned the guy from Fresno State that's like yeah. a schoolyard legend for his strength. Um, Tommy Togi out Ohio State is, is yeah. considered the strongest person on his team. You know, um, this guy, a defensive tackle from Utah, Lecky Fotu. Um, you know, another guy that falls in that category, I think is gonna be solid and gonna be someone who's gonna play for a long period of time. Uh, I think I think uh Evan Weaver. From Cal is another guy that's good. I mean, Cal had um, a couple – they had a good defense this year. And I think – and Evan Weaver was one of the best linebackers in the country overall. 
And I think the surprise here was that you get uh, Eno Benjamin, who is an Arizona State kid, and he is so low. And it's like, I think he's a solid value. I don't know how he dropped that low either. But I think he's somebody who is going to, um, yeah, he's definitely a high. I think he has a I much, agree. much higher ceiling in his draft. I, I agree. And he's a, a local kid. So, for that offense specifically, he's not like a Kenyon Drake type. Right. They gotten Cam Akers or something like that. Right. I've been like, oh, okay, cool. I can see that. They don't really need a running back either. It's kind of a full room with uh, Drake and um, who's the new guy from uh, Fordham, uh, Chase Edmonds. So you know, it's interesting. I mm-hmm. think I think Benjamin's going to have his work cut out for him. But I think even if he doesn't make the team in Arizona, I agree with you. He is a hard worker. He has good talent. I think he can land somewhere else. Maybe even Carolina. Just throwing that out there. Mm. Got you. So now we're on to the the worst Ugh. the worst drafts. Uh, the worst team. Well, yeah, the teams that did the worst. Um, in 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 like the versus. The versus uh, battles. You started first. I'll start first this time. Um, gotta go with the Green Bay Packers. Oh my gosh, gotta go to Green Bay Packers. Um, so you start off and you say, okay, Jordan Love. I think he. I think he's a solid pick as a as a pick in the world, right? I don't think he's uh-huh. a good pick for the Packers at this time. If Jordan Love was coming up two years from now, then it's like perfect. This makes all the sense in the world. Um, Here's also the kicker. This might have been the deepest wide receiver class ever. And the Packers selected (laughs) zero. Zero receivers. Here's a stat that that needs to be stated about um, the Packers. Uh, Top 10 all-time passing touchdowns. Of the top 10 all-time passing touchdown leaders. Um, here's a list of the touchdown passes thrown the first round draft picks. So you got the top 10 guys. Aaron Rodgers is right now number 10 all time in passing. Do you know how many times he's passed the ball, thrown Ooh, a touchdown thrown to a first a, round draft pick? Thrown a ball to a first Just round Just give me a number. Oh, a touchdown. Thrown a touchdown Ooh. to a first round draft pick in his career. Seven? <laughs> one. He's only thrown one touchdown pass to a first round draft pick is in his, in his entire career. You know? Oh. Um, I am not sure who the who the one is. I do not know who the one is, but in context, Peyton Manning has thrown 293. Many of them obviously to like Marvin Harrison, right? right? Or Reggie Wayne, right? Um, Eli Manning, 135. Brett Favre is 127. Even Tom Brady, for what people talk about, you know, him not having these high caliber receivers, has thrown to 105 first, 105 first round, to, first, round uh, first round draft picks. Aaron Rodgers, right? He was a draft. Yeah, Randy Moss, what? one, one. This man. Oh, so for all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers has done. On the football field, the the him being you know all decade, he he's had the least amount of first round talent to throw to, arguably of any quarterback, yeah. definitely of any quarterback of his caliber, and they had what? an opportunity. Right now, they had an opportunity to pick, you know, at, at that at the twenty six <laughs> pick, right? Um, 
Yeah, you're flabbergasted, right? You're flabbergasted. I mean, now Ayuk got drafted right before him. But there's right. other receivers they could have gotten, you know, could have drafted. Not they didn't one. draft a single one. I th- not one. That's the thing that threw me the off. It was it was like right. Jordan Love was the biggest shock to me. But that the receiver part, that's what really pissed me. And matter of fact, we all we both went into this saying, hey, uh, they need they need somebody on the other side of Devontae Adams. We both right. we both had them picking receivers. Denzel, huh. Denzel Mims was on the board. They were. T. Higgins was on the board. They didn't draft the whole receiver the whole draft. There's another team that did this, and they're on my list, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was it. I mean, they got A.J. Dillon, I think, is a yeah, solid running back. A.J. Dillon thing, and I'm like, 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 a solid running back, but what do you need him for? Like, what are you using A.J. Dillon for? Right. Right, right. It's just like... It this look like all right. There's a there's a website where you can do mock draft. You can you can draft as a team. You're like your team, I can be the I can be the skins. I can be you know the Buccaneers, and they have your slot, and you do a mock draft like a computer program, and you get to pick who you want. To me, this is they did a, they did the mock draft on auto draft. I think Green Bay literally had it on auto draft. Like there was a robot that said. The next person on the board, select them or whatever, exactly. just random person. I mean, these guys and, and no and no, right? Like, there's no, there's no, no, no slight to some of these guys. Like, I hopefully that they they go and do well, but they, but as a collective, there's not a single person that they drafted. No, I'm with that you. Like, are even out fits in what me. they're doing? John right, Runyon, right. maybe, but that's a sixth right. round pick where you're like, okay, I'll take a flyer on him, which they had what. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seventh round picks, which are basically flyer picks. You're like, all right, what are you going to do with those guys? So, with your first mm-hmm. three picks, you need to make picks that make sense. Jordan Love, you can, you know, arguably make a case for, sure. AJ Dillon, at, n- at no point do you need AJ Dillon. He'll, I'm sure he'll be fine as a hammer for somebody, but you don't need him. What do you need him for? You need a receiver. Pick a receiver. I, and Josiah Guara is about as fast as Jimmy. We is, just. Uh, uh-huh. Jimmy Graham was so. What do you like? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they were doing there. We just talked about the fact that Diamond Peoples Jones is, I think, is a steal, right? And they picked Minnesota linebacker Kamal Martin, one seventy-five, and Donovan Peoples Jones was available at one eighty-seven. I mean, it's and wait, just and like, that's what, hold on, you bring up a good point, I, I, too, I, I, because they need a linebacker because the Giants signed two of their linebackers. But at two, you could have got Zach Vaughn. Like, Zach Vaughn mm-hmm. was there. <laughs> you could have got him. But, you know. Yeah. You could have got Zach Vaughn, who mm-hmm. ended up being a, val- a great value pick in the draft. You know, it's – Come on, Packers. So you you agree with, with I would say and now I can't tell you who was the best team in the draft this year because there's just <laughs> a lot of good teams but I can tell you the worst I, and that is yes, Green Bay. I do. do you agree? It was a close second, but because this team decided to at least shore up the offensive line as much as they did, I would go with them. I would go with Green Bay. So who's your who's your second worst team? Who's the team that's on the fence? Receivers. <laughs> they didn't ah. pick a single one. I was like, 
okay, look, guys, I get it. You want to protect uh, Danny Jones. Got it. Understand Andrew Thomas. Cool. Safe pick. Matt Pert. He's going to be pretty, probably pretty good within a couple of few years. Shane Lemieux, even from Oregon. Great. Hope he wears 66. That's a personal NHL reference for me. Great. You got a solid core of offensive linemen within the first five rounds of your picks. Xavier McKinney, cool. Eh, you know, he's basically like maybe a more coverageable version of Landon Collins, who you got rid of. So whatever. Darnay Holm, uh, whatever. He's a whatever pick. So within those four or five picks that you had, why not pick a receiver? Or forget that. Why not pick a receiver at all? Because you don't have a receiver room that makes sense. Fine, you got the offensive lineman. Got it. I'm actually okay with those. But no receiver is a little concerning for me. I don't know why they did that. I, it's a Dave Gettleman thing, and I have an issue with Dave Gettleman in general. I feel like he's going to go down as a mm. as another fired uh, GM for the Giants. Mm. And see, it's funny you said that because I was talking to my uncle, who's a big Giants fan, and I told him they had uh, at this point. No, it was it was it was literally right after the draft, after the whole draft ended. I thought the Giants did well. Um, when I look at the picks yeah, they got, yeah. I think they got good people at those positions. Um, but but once again, like you said, the draft is also not just picking. There's a couple ways to analyze the draft. Um, a lot of people, you know, based on name recognition, obviously that that's people stand out. Like, oh my god, this is a guy I know. He got drafted his team. Uh, he's good. You know, there's there's um, value for where you pick and who you pick at that at that at that selection uh, is also a very big key component. But also, um, it's right. positional need. You know, you got to pick guys that um, that fit your system or fit where, where you have holes. And I think in that sense, as you bring up, the Giants failed miserably with the receiver. Uh, I think with the position they did select, I think they picked good people for those positions. But there's a glaring, um, glaring hole in the receiver room that they did not fill. And so I I, I got you. I, I didn't have the Giants in my top, in my bottom five. Yeah, I mean, like that you said, they did a great sense, job on the offensive that. line. I think they did uh, a really good job with that. But that, their receiving core is lacking. They need listen, Darius Slayton is not your mm-hmm. second best receiver, and you can be okay with that. Golden Tate, I know, is good if you want to be. He's been injured and old. Like this, this can't be the answer when you have receivers in this class and you just don't draft one. Like for me, that's that's a huge red flag. Like. If you needed offensive linemen, and this was a great class for offensive linemen, you didn't draft an offensive lineman, it would just it just would not make sense. Yeah, I'm thinking of of uh, the 36 pick. Well, I, I'm gonna talk about a team that picked somebody really low, and surprised he was still on the board, and so it's gonna come back to even more the Packers and the Giants as far as receiving. Um, the team I had oh, I was, was still I was, in look, the Packers division, my next team. <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears have needs of safety. Not a single one. They didn't pick a single one. And they passed on Grand Delpit and uh-huh. Antoine Winfield Jr. in round two to take Cole Komet. Now, Cole, Cole, that's Cole, Cole Komet is, was, and he had a great combine. Um, and it's one of the best tight ends in the draft. Um, but for the Bears to not have a first round pick, um, which okay. they dealt with, you know, with the Khalil Mack deal, um, I think he's talented, but just in addition to him being so, so once again, he is talented, 
But they already have an insane amount of depth on their team at tight end. So why add another tight end anyway? And then you don't you don't tackle safety at all. And you look at the rest of their draft. Um, Jalen Johnson is a solid pick at corner for Utah. Some people had him in the late first round. Um, the rest of the guys don't really give me much. I will give a special shout out to uh, mm-hmm. getting a, a guard from Tennessee State. Um, so I, I support Amen. that a hundred percent. We need more HBCU draftees. But other than look, other than that, I mean, I'm with you. The, the, the weakest just, the weakest position class in here. One of the weakest was tight end. Their first job was to get Cole Komet. Not a good look for Ryan Pace there, the GM for the Bears. Jalen Johnson is probably their best pick that they've made. I think he'll be really good in the secondary. I think Travis Gibson or Tra- Travis or Travis. I can't remember which one. Sorry about that, Travis Gibson. Really good uh-huh. athletically and can Travis, learn yeah, for the defense so. to be good eventually. I just don't know when that would be. Everybody else is a flyer and a maybe. I don't understand what you were trying to do. At least try to trade up into this a little higher into the second round, which they did. But to get Cole Komet, I, I it, God, it's if I was a Bears fan, I'd be infuriated. I have a theory about tight ends. You don't pick a tight end unless you have everything else. They don't have everything else. Hello, you need a you need you need something at quarterback. Nick Foles trading for or signing, excuse me, trading for him is not your answer in the long term. We've seen Nick Foles over the course of a year to try to be healthy. Is he better than Mitch Trubisky? Maybe, probably, but at least get somebody to at least try to answer that. I'm not saying Jacob Eason would be the answer, but at least draft him to try to pick him, do something there, anything. Try to get Jordan Jordan Love, whatever. Cole Komet is not the pick there. You can pick somebody else if you want a tight end. Get Josiah DeGuara like the Bears, like the Packers did in the third round or something like that, or figure something out in the fifth round. You don't need it, especially in this tight end class. Good pick with Jalen Johnson. I do agree that he's going to be good for them. I think he'll be really good for them. But that's it. That's literally what they have. And this is going to set them back a few years. I feel like it's a really bad class on their end. Yeah, and Grant Delpit was the Just, pick. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I know Chicago Radio blew up when that happened. I'm interested to see what the um, response was from the Bears about Cole Komet. I, I just can't see. He wasn't even the best tight end available mm. for their purposes. Like, at least they could have gotten Chase Claypool. I know he's a receiver, but he mm. bulked up to kind of be a tight end from Notre Dame. Get Chase Claypool. At least he'll make more plays for you and can get downfield better. At that, at that, again, at the second round, eleven pick, like I, I just don't. It infuriates me. I'm, a, I'm with you. The 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 team, the the next team I had, they made some questionable moves. Um, wasn't horrible, but I'm going with the the L.A. Chargers. Um, Justin Herbert, um. At the number six pick makes sense because he was considered to be the number three quarterback for most. I mean, um, Jordan Love, I don't think people feel comfortable with him being the number six pick. Uh, I think that he probably would have been a better fit, yeah. um, which is interesting because of what I'm about to say. Um, yeah. The Chargers traded up Man. to get the number 23 pick to pick Kenneth Murray. Who is a solid linebacker, solid. But if I was them, mm-hmm. and I'm looking back on this, right? 
think about this real quick. Okay. And just as I as it as it pops in my head, I'm going to make sure that I'm that I'm hundred percent right about this. So yep. Now imagine this, right? Imagine the same trades, the same exact trades that you just made, right? Where you have the number six mm-hmm. pick and you trade down to move up, right? Imagine instead of Justin Herbert and Kenneth Murray. Bingo. Isaiah Simmons Thank and Jordan you. Love. <laughs> You picked the right. because Isaiah Simmons was available at the six pick, so you pick him, and then you say I need a quarterback also, and let yes. me trade up to get another quarterback. Now we know how the draft works, and that that if you pick Isaiah okay. Simmons, then other teams start drafting differently, right? But if you're going to trade up for someone, it's the position worth trading for. Yeah. A quarterback is much more important to trade up for. If not, you you what you have is you could have got another solid linebacker in the second round, but you traded your second and your third round picks. They didn't even really need a linebacker to move up to Kenneth Murray. I mean, Kenneth Murray's not a bad pick for them. I don't I don't hate the pick. I I just it's again it's a draft value thing, like you're saying. Yeah, like why trade up for Kenneth Murray? You can get Zach Vaughn, who's you know, arguably slightly less better than Kenneth Murray. Sure, whatever. Keep it moving. The other picks, though, are what kill me. Like the Josh Kelly, Joe, Joe Reed, and Lloyd Gilman are throwaway picks. Although I will say this about for them. The K.J. Hill pick, I absolutely love. In the seventh round, you're getting K.J. Hill, a guy who probably played for a while for you. Not a bad pick. That was and that was I mentioned him before. KJ Hill was available <laughs> in the seventh round, and the Giants, Northern Packers, selected him. Let me tell you the thing about it. About it that's so crazy to me is that KJ Hill torched it, torched, torched the Senior Bowl, torched the Senior Bowl. Now I understand his specs don't look as good. He he doesn't have really long arms. He's not the fastest. I think he's a four six forty guy, but. He's one of the best route runners, if not the best route runner. I'm sorry. Um, he and Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is, is an amazing route runner. But 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 KJ Hill's hands, that's what I mean to say, not his route running. His hands. He is he is a a if the yeah. ball is around him, he is going to catch it. And so I think that, that was that was the uh I, I, yeah, that was the one saving grace from the Chargers. Um and just to be clear, the 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 Chargers traded up. They traded their thirty seventh and their seventy one, the seventy first pick. At thirty seven and seventy one, they could have gotten someone somewhat equal. Oh no, I agree. With you. That's to, what I'm saying. Uh, Zach Bond, in my opinion. You know, like you said, Zach Bond. Um, in that seventy first pick, you got somebody. If you missed on the first one, it's just. I didn't understand that trade at all. Um, yeah, those moves at all. So um, my my next team that I have. Is, <laughs> well, wait, real um, quick, funny did you say that? Houston, Texas. In my mock, I picked the Texans to trade up in mm-hmm. that situation for something dumb to get Kenneth Murray. So I guess hey, there you go. Ah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, in that case, it, here's the thing though: with those picks that they had. Um. Yeah, I think I think the Texans. 
I could, like I said, I I, I could they see didn't. that. They, 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 the thing is, they didn't draft the linebacker. Happy that they, didn't. <laughs> they didn't draft the linebacker. Didn't either, though. Yeah, um, but I I think part of the reason I had the Texas here is, well, I guess you could consider yeah. Jonathan Greener the linebacker. He's more of just an edge, like that new term, of just kind of being a hybrid. Um, I think he was a good pick. The, the, the reason I have the Texans on here yeah. is not that, so much they did something call. bad. That's they just didn't have call. enough I'm picks. with you on that. I, I completely agree with you. They didn't have, yeah, they they were set up for failure. It was like, okay, you met what I thought. Like, this draft fit the amount of picks you had, but if I'm comparing it to other people, it, it's it's on the lower end. Um, I think Rock's, Ross Blacklock, um, we had him. Uh, I think we had him. Either you or I had him in the late late uh, first round. I think he's someone who is, yeah. is going to be good for them, but they only have five picks. They only picks. have five picks and don't and have anything they, they didn't to show pick a for back on, the, either. on the roster as of Which now. Like that's the problem. Like if you have five picks, cool. Who's on your roster? You got Bears, right. Khalil Mack. Okay, cool. Got it. You only have a couple picks. Got it. They're out here trading away people. <laughs> they don't have anybody on the roster. Right. Sean Johnson, Sean Watson is not a product of any of the picks that they lost. Right. So. Right. Right. And then also when you factor in that they started, they started this whole process with trading their first round pick. Uh, to get Laramie Tunsil, and then they sign him to you know a, a huge deal, which I think you know he's 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 worth it, I would say. But um, it ended up you know ended up costing them with not a lot of picks in the draft, and like you said, nobody that nobody that's like so much of a page turner that it stands out and overcompensates for the lack of depth. This is more confusing no, for no, me. No. It, it was have, Carolina. I don't. I don't step. hate what they did per se. I, I like what they did in some of the middle rounds. In the beginning, Derek Brown. Again, I have a. People have an issue with Raekwon Davis from Alabama because he can't rush the passer and he's just a run stuffer. Same with Latai Futo, Futo, whatever. Javon Kinlaw can rush the passer. I don't understand if you're going to go with defensive tackle, why you go with Derek Brown? Really good at defensive tackle. Really good at stopping the run. Kind of above average at rushing the passer. Probably won't be great in the NFL yet right away. Has the ability. Got it. If that's your pick, that's your pick. Fine. I don't. I really don't like the Gross Matos pick. Like, there's no reason to pick him there. If you want defensive end, you could have got Julian Aquara, whoever. Really, by the way, great story about him going with his brother in Detroit with Aquara. But I do like what Carolina did with Jeremy Chin and Troy mm-hmm. Pride Jr. in the secondary. I think Troy Pride Jr. is a great speed guy who can learn to uh, be. <clears throat> excuse me, learn to have his ball skills a little bit better as he comes up through the league. And Jeremy Chin, Steve Atwater's cousin, or I'm sorry, nephew. That's a personal preference for me. I was hoping the Broncos would get him, but they didn't need a safety. But he's going to be really good. He's fast, can hit. But after that, I don't really know what they were trying to do. They're trying to rebuild everything, and then they end up picking guys that I don't know if it's going to fit for what for a rebuild at Carolina. So I so it was more confusing. I don't think we've named the bad drafts. I don't. I think everybody else is more either confusing or blah, or above average at this point. Right, right, right. Like I said, I was looking at people's drafts and I was like, well, you know, especially a lot of these, a lot of these other websites, CBS and things of that nature. A lot of guys are getting A's and, and B pluses and. Um, there were more. There were there were definitely more teams that oh. did really well in the draft than there were teams that did really badly. Um, the 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 last team I have a similar situation where 
Now here's the thing that this this team is known for um kind of yeah, being quirky with the draft. Um but 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 they tend to work out um I use the word yeah, kind of set up for one team that, that probably may not be, but this is Seattle Seahawks for me. Okay. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause quirky because the yeah, other team I thought about was the Patriots. You know, but yeah, Seattle and England are two teams that are known for like, okay, you can never mm-hmm. really judge that draft by the day after. You have to wait three years in. Uh, and I'm I'm willing to do that with this team because I'm looking at some of the guys and I'm like, okay, some of these guys, they are you know, yeah, it's they're, not gonna they're, be they're, like, they're oh, right, yeah, you know okay. I mean? but they, they don't, right. yeah, like Jordan Brooks. It, God, it, Jordan was. Brooks number it was funny, was like, as soon as it happened, I was like, okay, I, I squinted my eyes for a second, and then they picked Daryl Taylor in the second round. I was like, oh, this is this is early period Pete Carroll from like when he first got to those Seahawks. <laughs> We're talking about like Bruce Irvin in the second round sort of situation, <laughs> okay. Right, right, right. It's just, you know, certain guys I'm looking at. I mean, Damian Lewis is a solid guard from LSU, and I think Kobe Parkinson is a solid tight end from Stanford. Um, Alton Robinson was good at Syracuse. And and so it's just like, okay, you know. Um, but they gave up, like, they got Steven Sullivan, a wide receiver from LSU, and I'm thinking to myself, there are a lot of receivers at LSU. You know, some of them return to school. You look at Terrace Martin. You look at Jamar Chase. Steven Sullivan didn't really do much for me this year. For me to, I mean, he was a late late pick, but they also traded a six round pick to get to move. And I'm probably going to want him as a tight end. Uh, But yeah, I'm right. You're right. He didn't do much, but that's a classic. Like gentleman was like, well, we want him, but we saw him. And his films tells us he can play a different position. Like they were classic for doing that with defensive linemen, switching them over to offensive line. So we'll see. Like, look, honestly, I'm with you. It's quirky. It, this is classic. Like first three, four years of Seattle Pete Carroll draft right here. That's exactly what it is. I'm with you. It, it could. It could look. It can go yeah. really bad, and he could end yeah, up being fired in two or three years, or it could be one of those. Huh. All right, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. Our last mean, team did, was again. What was your your last team? Using, uh, it was the Tennessee Titans. I, I, I don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what the plan was here. They, there were some needs that they needed, not a whole bunch, but there were some needs. Um, they went with Isaiah Wilson, which I'm like, okay, I guess you're doubling down on run blocking. Sure. Cause Isaiah Wilson, I think will be more of a guard in the league. Um, the Darrington Evans running back pick from Appalachia state. He doesn't fit the mold of what they're trying to do in their run game. They had Deion Lewis and it didn't work. So they got rid of him. That's kind of what Darrington Evans can kind of be. The other picks are just kind of felt like throwaway picks with, Old McDonald from Hawaii. I do like the Christian Fulton pick for LSU. I think he'll just be in their secondary for 10 years as a guy they can't get rid of because he's too good. Um, but other than that, I just don't know what their plan – like, I don't know what their plan was. And Isaiah right. Wilson, I don't love that tackle in the first round or the fact that he's going to be a guard. I mean, he's he's decent <laughs> with a capital cent. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I um, Isaiah Wilson. So first and foremost, Isaiah Wilson provided <laughs> one of the best yes, clips um, in recent draft history with his uh, girlfriend hugging him, and um, you know, with, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sidebar that because I have to talk about this. The fact that um, uh, when a black woman taps you, you on the back twice, not once, but the but the but the. Ah, ah, <laughs> That is like first off, it's triggering to me because I don't know what I did wrong. Like I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh god, I gotta go. It's move whatever I need to do. I need to move as fast as possible. And when she had to manhand, she had to actually grab that woman. Oh man, oh that was all over the internet. And she needed to move. She didn't. She didn't get it. So I mean, Isaiah, I, Isaiah Wilson, that could have happened in the second round, third round too, because they had the same video cameras. Oh, um, <laughs> but that was a that was, I just had to had to shout out that great moment in uh and understanding the black culture. The black, anybody out here that's listening that didn't grow up with a black mother, aunt, grandmother, <laughs> uh, when a black woman taps you twice on the back, you have to leave expeditiously from your current situation. That's just that's, just, that's rule number one. We learned that uh, immediately. Um, exactly. Uh, but I think the Titans. You're right. Um, I don't. I was surprised they got him in that like, early too. You know, once again playing the position, offensive tackle. Josh Jones is still on the board. Um, yeah, I don't understand them picking Isaiah Wilson. You're right. He is a guard. He's going to be a guard. Um, as a matter of fact, when I saw that he was listed off as a tackle, I remember when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. They were saying they were going to move him to guard, but he was just he's just such a big guy. Um, that I think that he, you know, they they had him at tackle at UGA. Um, I do like Christian Fulton. Um, I think Murchison from NC State is going to be interesting to watch. Um, I like the Appalachian State running back as well. Um, okay. but once again, all this stuff doesn't necessarily fit. You know what they're trying to do, and we talked about this in the in the mock draft. Um, Cameron Wakes there. You know he he didn't have the best season at all uh, this year. But I think he he obviously he's one of the best in the league. So, but you need somebody if he, if he does if he has another season anywhere mm-hmm. close to this, um, you should have drafted somebody that was on the edge that could help, you know, um, supplement that. And and there were some people you could have got or made some trades for. I mean, shoot, at um at the twenty ninth pick, I would have thought you would you could have got somebody in that position. Never against, yeah, I'm never, um, against, exactly. I'm never against drafting offensive linemen, but. Could have got a different one. <laughs> and they're good. Yeah. I mean, the Titans. Yeah, the Titans had a great season this year, so it's not like they had a whole lot that they needed. But uh, that was one. Um, now, this is this interesting. This this is a uh, we didn't talk about this in the pre-show, but I would say, who do you think are going to be guaranteed first-round picks in the twenty twenty-one draft that are currently in college? Um, besides Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence and Justin Fields, easy day. Um, Jamar Chase probably will get a piece of that action. Um, I'm trying to think offhand. Uh, Sean Wade, Ohio State safety. He's. I feel like he's going to be at least in the conversation. He might be a late round kind of sec, late first round kind of second second round pick. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of like possible playoff guys. Uh. That's offhand for those guys. There might be some. Um, 
I think who else? Who made the All American team? Hold on, I can take a look at this real quick. Then I think. I'll give you some names and, and, and you tell me what you think. As far as guaranteed first round picks, uh, Lawrence Fields, uh, Sean Wade, I think is going to be. Oh man, um, he play he plays like like kind of like the nickel, but he's going to be outside corner this year. Uh, if we have it, he's going to be outside corner uh, in the next level. I think he's going to battle Patrick Sertain for being Patrick Sertain for being the uh, number one corner taken. Um, as far as uh, wide receivers there, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, yeah, yeah, I think with Jalen yeah. Waddle um, might be the Henry Ruggs. I think Jalen Waddle is going to end up being picked before Devontae Smith, but I think um, yeah. Devontae Smith might end up having a better year we um, well, wait, as far as Ruggs, statistics are concerned Judy, this season. Judy. Um. Yeah, and Rugs Judy. Yeah, Rugs yeah. got Judy had a better season than Rugs, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right, right. Yeah, but but um, but so uh, also yeah, person that that, that was my uh, bad. I, I was like, oh, wait, first yeah, round yeah, pick is Panay Sewell from Oregon. Yeah, Panay Sewell from Oregon. Um, I think that um. Gregory Rousseau from Miami. I think Miami, um, Miami's defensive ends this year yeah, are the best trio of defensive ends in the country. Uh, yeah, when well, you got uh, – uh, I think it's Roche. Quincy, Quincy – is it Roche, Roche or Roche? Roche. Uh, At, yeah, Roche. Quincy Roche transferred from Temple. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, – yeah, I think it's Roche. But uh, Quincy, he transferred from Temple, killed the Temple. He's going to be opposite Gregory Rousseau. Both of them have opportunity to be number one. And then Jalen Phillips, who transferred from UCLA, is now available now. So Miami's going to have a pretty formidable de- uh, defensive line. I think both of those guys could be. But as far as locks, I think Gregory Rousseau is a lock um, for first-round picks. Um, yeah, I think he needs to have uh, a Justin Ross, wide receiver. lock for first Clemson. round, but his speed is going to get him. <laughs> they're definitely gonna. They're gonna give him a look. Yeah, I think. I think. Uh, I remember when Justin Ross, his freshman year, it was interesting because yeah. people like yeah. forgot T. Higgins existed. So for some certain aspects with the the way he played in that championship game, um, you know. So I think Justin Ross is gonna be one. Um, I think he's gonna be a first round pick. Hands down, um, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota uh, is kind of on the I want to say the fringe, mm-hmm. but he he's someone who's like Lavisca Chenault, who came in this time last year. Everybody was like Lavisca Chenault, top fifteen pick. Um, I I have more I have more um, faith in Minnesota's That's offense than I do Colorado's. Yeah, sure. uh, as far as once Lavisca blew up, yeah yeah, once Lavisca blew up. And he going into the year, people knew he could have been a first round pick. I mean, they kind of he didn't have the same season because they focused everything on him. There was nobody opposite him that could balance that out. But um, yeah. Minnesota has a better offense than that, and PJ Fleck is a better is a better coach um, than Mel Tucker was um, at Colorado. So 
I think Rashad Bateman is someone who's definitely going to be up there. What what I, what I find funny every year with the mock drafts because I look yeah. at them, you know, when they drop the two way too early mock drafts. Alabama always has five to seven uh, first round yeah. projections every year, and it's like Josh Joby. Y'all really think this guy's a first round corner? I'm just, I just find it like, and then trust me, Alabama is on paper, probably the most talented team each and every year, you know, um, just based on, like, recruiting rankings and things of that nature. I actually talk about that early in the podcast about the uh, 24-7 sports does a talent composite for college teams, not just for recruiting classes, and Alabama's number one. Um, But I just, like, man, the guys from Alabama that I think will be first-round locks, uh, I said Sertan, Dylan Moses, who could have been a first-round pick this year if he didn't get injured. Um, he still could have been a second, third-round pick without playing. But I'm glad he did yeah. come back. Um, um, uh, Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood. I think that's the th- three. Yeah, I mean, he's the fourth team. one. Because to me, Najee Harris, Najee Harris is a running mm-hmm. back. But at the same time, Derrick Henry is hitting his stride. But um, – Derrick Henry is like one of the many right. Alabama oh, running backs there. that's like <laughs> you're too big to play this position. Uh, Scarborough, uh, right. uh, Nick Saban, Nick Saban recruits monsters, and 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 honestly, and and, and, and although this is becoming more of a college football conversation, which who cares? I mean, it's football. We love football, right? But um, I think Alabama specifically, like I, I firmly believe that Alabama goes to the doctor's office and says, what is the 150th percentile for height and size? And that's the guy we want to get. They get guys that are just freaks of nature. Um, and I think that that manifests itself on how dominant they've been on a college level. But it also echoes why they don't do as well on the NFL because I think Saban looks for the physicality and that overt size that is still you can still dominate using just just those yeah, things no, at the college level, but you can't do that on the NFL level. You can't just be bigger and faster than everybody. That's just not how things work in the NFL. Like there's so much more skill involved, and these guys all are lifting weights and 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 all are you know it's it's the best of the best. So um, I just find that funny that Alabama always has like six, seven, yeah, like that's not sometimes gonna eight guys in the first round in mock drafts, and I'm just, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I, yeah, I do think you know, um, I had two left, and Michael Parsons. Yeah, like I said, I think um, from, uh, Michael Parsons. Oh my god, Ohio Parsons. State. Yeah, Wyatt Davis. I love that guy. Now I'm not saying he's quitting Nelson. Well, Wyatt but Davis. I am saying he could be a guard in the first round and needs to be taken because I feel mm-hmm. like he, he has the right year this year. Oof. Watch out. Yeah, yeah. Um, another yeah, guy actually, it's I'm funny. Caleb Von Chasen um, had a Sammy great game against him. The offensive tackle from and Texas. that's what kind of people were like, well, there, you know, there's your flash. And I was like, yeah, but that, that was it. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's literally the only time I saw the flash. Right. Right. Um, Walker Little. Actually, you know, there's yep. two other guys. Two guys from Episcopal High School in Houston. Walker Little from Stanford. Actually, three guys. Matter of fact, that is crazy to think about. 
Episcopal School in Houston is, is slated to have three first round picks oh, in this wow, draft. Oh, wow, for real? You know who else went there? Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, Walker Little from Stanford, that, and Marvin Wilson from what, Florida what State. What were they doing? They, they, the they won the same team. Well, whatever, like the Catholic. Uh, you know, it's is, funny because. Um, so I, I feel like Joe Carlos would know. Yeah, it's Episcopal. Yeah, yeah. Episcopal is one of the rare. Uh, you know, Texas generally all their best schools are public. And, um, but Episcopal has. Um, I mean, shoot, they got they got the number one guard in the country this year in high school. Donovan Jackson going to Ohio State. He went to Episcopal. Oh, is that Episcopal? Um, you know, it's but yeah, that those three guys, those three guys, more than likely. Yeah, those are three locks. Those are solid like, locks. <laughs> like locks? Well, those are three locks. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Look, I'll give it. I'll those give are it. locks. You know, I, I, I want to like back up a little bit. You know, it's like Florida Marvin State. Marvin Wilson's a lock to me. But no, you know what? Thanks for coming back, Marvin. We appreciate it. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, Marvin Wilson is 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 the truth. I'm glad he came back. Um, see, yeah, that make see I just pulled up a mock draft. They got Deontay hey, who, Brown, offensive line from Alabama, come. going number 27. There's no, 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 sir. No, sir. This um um another guy that I've seen that is a that is more than likely going to be a first round. Pick, yes. So have you seen him or see no? This. Is this quarterback Trey Lance in North Dakota State? I have seen He's a little smallish, but he's dynamic. But it's one of those things you're like, him. okay, you're smallish and dynamic. They're going to try to compare him to mm-hmm. Russell Wilson because like, I'm pretty sure he's got some black in him. I don't know if we can say it on a podcast like that in our time frame. But he – I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want him to have the thing where it's like, well, he went to North Dakota State like uh, Carson Wentz, and they do that whole thing to him. I want him to develop the way he can develop, but he can be really good. But, you know, he, it'll be interesting. You should check him out if you get a shot. Yep. I, w- I would love to because uh, Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, Trey, Trey Lance is like a record breaker. Like, I, I, you know, I don't really pay attention to that division, but – I mean, he won the Walter Payton Award and the Jerry Rice Award. Yeah, he's, First freshman he's dynamic. winner, Walter Payton. He's dynamic. And, um, he can run. He can from throw. Marshall, he can get out of. He can get, a, a, uh, get this, out of pocket pressure. Again, they're gonna they're gonna want to compare him to Russell Wilson. I think that's not necessarily the comparison. Oh, he's six three. Oh no, no. I, they said two twenty. Apparently, he's six three. Two twenty. Like he might be two hundred. <laughs> two twenty. Six three. Two twenty. But uh, yeah. Ah, okay. Okay. On the, uh, yeah, I mean stuff. that height. That height makes it a little bit different. But yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see this year. Um, look, I'm I, and like I said, I always try to to eliminate my bias from you know when talking about this. But I mean, J- Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence. Um, there's no question as to who has the better career thus far. I mean, Trevor Lawrence. You know, has been the two straight championships. Has won one as a true freshman. Um, I'm curious to see how this thing plays out. I mean, yeah. Trevor yeah. Lawrence is a is a much better runner than people give him credit. I mean, he torched us with his feet. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, I just think people are trying to give it to Trevor Lawrence yeah. because, <laughs> and, and I mean, and, and when it's a black quarterback versus a white quarterback, 
There's, there's, um, there's words in there. You, you know, words. you got to pay attention to like some of the things they say because they both this this coded language. And, and, and if you really think about thank it, you. thank you. I'm so it might look slightly different, but they both offer very similar things. I think Justin, yeah, they're so similar in how they play. I mean, especially like I said, Justin Fields yeah. is faster, but Trevor Lawrence is no slowpoke. I mean, he's a he's a solid yeah. athlete. And, and and Fields is also a better passer than they give him credit for as far as making like direct passes. I think I think the difference is people assume like like Fields does throw a better I think he probably throws a better deep ball. Um, but it's not by much. But it's it's the the way people perceive their talent. And um and it's gonna be interesting this whole year seeing that and it's it's, it's interesting. The last time that two guys were compared like this at the same position from high school to college to possibly the NFL. Yeah. Um, Actually, you talked about it before, uh, during the decade talk was is Julio Jones and A.J. Green. For me, um, those guys were – I mean, they're not from the same state yeah. like Justin and Trevor. Um, and those guys are actually like 35 minutes away from each other. But they were literally inextricably linked the entire time of their college career and um, even now to the NFL, to some degree, Julio has uh, moved up, you know, as a notch above AJ. But um, I'm just – I wonder if – like right now the Heisman odds in Vegas are dead even between the two. Um, but yeah. I'm just going to be paying attention to how they talk about them because Trevor Lawrence' season – I mean, excuse me, there's a reason why, although he was talked about being – he, he could have been the number one pick of the draft had he come out as a sophomore while Justin Fields was in the highest yeah, room and Trevor wasn't. I'm with you. I, um, I think um, one of the things that we need season, to look but, at, um, and hopefully, um, like, people who are getting paid scouts do this. Journalists, I'm just kind of like, whatever about sometimes they just need the storyline. But if you look at it, like, look at, look at Justin Fields at his highest competition second, against secondaries and look at Trevor Lawrence in his highest competition against secondaries. Justin Fields, you know, and maybe you could because both of them have great receiving cores. It's not like one's mm-hmm. you know dibble dabbling with you know a bunch of all fans. But when they play against secondaries who are going to give you trouble, right. i.e. LSU, <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence, or you know maybe Ohio State or I'm sorry Clemson's DBs uh, for Justin Fields, but Justin Fields played better. Trevor Lawrence. Better against LSU's. It's those little things. Like it's just like, come on, guys. We did. I'm not yeah. saying you should draft Justin Fields immediately because he's way better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm saying it's neck and neck. Don't make this what I think it's going to be made out to be, and be like, well, Trevor Lawrence is clearly the better one. It's like, no, he's not. He's not clearly the better. They're they're neck and neck. They're both about the same. Whoever picks whoever picks the first one is fine. Just don't 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 let's not drag Justin Fields. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you 100. percent I'm definitely with you. It's gonna be curious. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see. I'm, I want to see. You know, football come back, and you know, even talking about the 2021 mock draft, or you know, it's obviously way in advance, but it gives you some hope that college football will be back, which is my favorite level of probably level of sports. I love college football so much. Um, and so yeah, I think this was a this was overall a really good draft. I think I think most of the teams in the NFL. Uh, did well. Um, we obviously mentioned some of the ones that didn't do so well. But even with those, like we said, 
there's probably only three teams I think, oh, you drafted horribly. And then there was others that were kind of like, uh, I just don't know where you're going with this. But there's a lot of teams that did really well in this draft. And um, I, like like I said, in this time of COVID-19, you know, trying these things keep me hopeful that the NFL will be back or that uh, college football will be back. So, you know, hopefully I get a chance to, to – to play this season and, and the show, show, show out, you know? Well, thank you once again, Ken, for hey, all your for insight. Me. I appreciate you having um, me on. You truly mean, I truly appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll I'm talk to you soon. Available. I know football is going to be coming up soon. Uh, right, I'll have you on the show again. <laughs> once again. <laughs>